Welcome to the number one podcast covering Michigan State basketball. The Final Four is not in the schedule. Join Rod and me, Eric, as we dive deep into the Spartans to get you prepared for every game. Subscribe today for in-depth recruiting updates and fantastic interviews with today's important college basketball personalities like Robbie Hummel. Thanks for having me. I, uh, I have listened to your guys' podcasts numerous times on drives throughout any Midwestern Big Ten city, so I, I am a big fan of your guys' work. Jay Billis. And next time, hey, if anybody in Michigan wants a December tea time, call me. You wimps won't show up, but I'll I'll be there. I'll be there and play in the cold. And Izzo will be in front of the fire with hot chocolate. Coaches Thomas Kelly. Oh, no problem. Glad to be back, man. Glad to be back. Mike Garland. You just can't sit there and trade twos for threes. You can't do it. You're going to lose. Coming down the stretch, you're going to lose. And more. You won't find better coverage of Spartan Hoops than you will get here. For both the casual and hardcore fan, come along as we take you for a green and white ride. Hey everybody, it's Eric alongside Rod here to go over MSU's 81-49 win over Elkhorn State in East Lansing. It's Thanksgiving season, so if you're in the giving spirit and appreciate us, please consider supporting the show either by a one-time gift on PayPal or Venmo or on a recurring basis through Patreon or Substack. Links can be found at thefinalfours.theschedule.com slash support. Your support in growing this community is extremely helpful to the show. We really appreciate it. So anything you can offer up would be very appreciated. All right, Rod, let's talk about the win as Michigan State defeats Elkhorn State. Uh, big storylines, Trey Holloman, five out of five for threes, finished with 17 points. He got the start over a, we'll call him sick, Tyson Walker. Yeah, we'll get into that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, it turns out Carson, uh, sorry, Cone Carr is a pretty good dunker. Uh, he had, he had what, it's hard to imagine him topping that dunk this season where he went a two-handed and went through someone to dunk and Dunked on his head, and I was, well, I don't know. That's that was insane, uh, and largely controlled this game. Sort of what we had hoped. They're up uh, thirty at halftime, and maintained that lead throughout the second half. Certainly, they had trouble with focus, I suppose, in the second half, especially early. Um, but Alcorn State was outside of the first maybe two minutes of the game, three minutes of the game. They really, really were never really in this game, and so Michigan State took care of business as they prepared to head to Palm Springs to face top-ranked Arizona, and, um, you know, overall, probably a decent game. We can go over some specifics of things maybe a little concerning, but in general, I think the big storylines were um, were Tyson not playing and then Trey having a really good game. So I guess we, maybe we'll start, start with Tyson because you had sort of thought that, that the Southern Indiana game may have been a good opportunity to rest him since he'd been playing some big minutes in the, the previous games and you know, with the um, Duke game coming up. Uh he was out there in the court. I mean, clearly whatever he had, they don't think it was infectious. <laughs> he was with all the players like hanging out at, uh, at yeah. And, you know, I, I, <laughs> I don't know it. If he was sick as a dog, I guess that was one, like one like a vivacious puppy. <laughs> in the post game, Izzo kind of went through this and, you know, said, uh, "Oh, if you would have seen him this morning." <laughs> and he said he was even not feeling great before the Butler game. That's what he claimed. Um, mm-hmm. As Graham Couch asked him about it, he said, well, are you not worried about being contagious? And I think that was what Izzo was trying to do by claiming that he had actually been a little ill before Butler. Is that, well, this has been going on, going on for a while, so they don't think he's contagious. But uh, I'm sorry. You're not going to be able to convince me this wasn't a version of load management. Um, yeah. I think they uh, maybe maybe he was slightly under the weather 
but I think they, I think they looked at it. And they said, Hey, there's a, once they got a chance to, to see Alcorn state on film. And I think they figured, okay, this is one that we can, we can win without them. Let's get them some rest. And, and then we go into the game on, th- and we've got a few more days. We got four days between this yeah. game and, and Arizona that it'll feel better. Same thing was true. You know, Malik Hall banged his ankle up a little bit early in the first half, <clears throat> came back and played. And then yeah. he started the second half, played a few minutes, and then they just sat him. And as I said, well, yeah, it was sprained ankle. It was precautionary. But I saw Malik Hall. He was moving around fine. So I think <laughs> they just – they look, and by that time, of course, the game was way out of hand. All right, so three points. Yeah, right. I think they just figured, all right, we don't, we don't really need um, to do much else here. Uh, so that's that. I, I don't think there's anything big. And Izzo's even saying they expect him to play Thursday. I still say, well, we don't know how much he's going to start, and he's going to play a lot, and it's going to be normal. That's my guess. Yeah. Um, so that's the first thing. As for this game, look, we talked about it in our preview. One of the challenges in games like this is play the game, not the opponent, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Michigan State, I thought, did a reasonably good job of playing the game. Yeah. I, I really do. I mean, it wasn't that it was a perfect outing, but you look at you look at some of the things that you know, turnovers are often a problem in games like this where you're just not taking the opponent seriously. Well, they only had nine of them. You know, that was a pretty, pretty reasonable effort. Um, I thought while they shot a lot of threes, 25 attempts a little high for MSU, um, I still thought they did a pretty good job at trying to run the offense, get the ball to the rim. They shot 21 free throws they didn't shoot them successfully but they did get a fair amount of attempts which tells you that there was an activity level there they had um something we've talked about in recent days they had 24 assists on 30 made baskets yeah so getting back to that level that normally for a michigan state team is going to be an indicator that the offense was was running well so I think all of the, they, they look to push the ball. I mean, they had 25 fast break points. And I think we talk about that stat sometimes being questionable, but um, in this game, I think it reflected it accurately. Michigan state really tried to play fast, you know, yeah. they shot, they shot the ball um, 53% from the floor, 40% from three really, really good numbers. 52% of the line isn't going to make anybody happy. And it was again, some, some good free throw shooters missing them. Um, yeah. you know, Hogard missed a couple Aikens missed one hall missed one, you know, but, uh, that's okay. That's the one that, and maybe, <laughs> maybe defensive rebounding wasn't spectacular in this game. The, the raw number looks bad. The raw number looks bad because they had 16, but you got to remember that's on 55 misses. So it's still, I didn't do the percentage, but that's got to be knocking on the door of 30%. 
they were when I calculated they had I had sixty one field goal attempts so about thirty five percent rebounding offensive rebounding rate which is pretty well no they missed but they missed oh you're right I'm sorry it's 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 forty five you're right yeah yeah that's that's high yeah that's that's going to be a disappointing number um you know so that's something I'm sure is a will be able to use but but for the most part I think you look at the way Michigan State approaches game again especially considering it's leading scorer guy scoring 23 points a night and that they've been leaning on didn't see the floor and Malik call who's been their second best player plays 17 minutes, but really wasn't, he only took four shots. Um, I think it was, I think you have to be happy with the way they approached it. Um, so good, uh, uh, definitely what you wanted to see out of Michigan state in, in that sense. Uh, obviously they got people a lot of minutes. You know, the guy who played the most minutes was Trey Holloman with 27. Other than him, Hogard and Akins with 24, Carr with 24, Fears with 20, Sissoko and Booker with 19 each. Hall played 17, Cooper played 18. You know, that's really balanced. It's exactly what you wanted to see. And we'll talk about mm-hmm. this again when we get to the keys, but Michigan State played well early jumped out to by the 10 minute mark had a very substantial working margin. And that meant Izzo could just try different things, get different combinations some time together, get the guys a little deeper in the rotation, a lot of minutes. And that's just about perfect in terms of a scenario for a game like this. So from a team perspective, I think they accomplished most of the things they wanted. Uh, from an individual perspective, I think there were some really, really good things that happened to this, namely Trey Holloman, which you mentioned, with by far the best game of his career. 17 points, five assists, only one turnover. He had two steals, five of five from three, and then one of two from two. Uh, team high, 27 minutes. And from almost from the jump, there was, a, and it was his first career start too, by the way, there was a confidence about him that I think we've been waiting to see and we've seen hints of it, but when shots aren't falling, it's hard to maintain that and to stay aggressive because you start second guessing yourself. If shots aren't going, well, then the next time you're open, you're going to be very inclined to hesitate, right? But in this game, the moment you kind of knew that it was going to be his night, at least for me, was the second made three he had. It looked like a heat check and he still drained it. It was in transition. It was exactly, you know what it was? It's exactly the kind of shot that you would expect to see Tyson Walker take in that situation. (laughs) Exactly. And he drained it. And then at that point, like, all right, it's on. And it just didn't stop. But I thought he was, I thought he was out. I thought he was good defensively. I mean, I thought every phase of the game, Trey Holloman was really, really good. And that's what Michigan State needs. If you have Trey Holloman, you know, we talked in the last game, or the Butler game, how one of the few concerns I had coming out of an otherwise good performance was that there was that lineup that they played that allowed it to go from 14-7 to 14 all, where they just couldn't score. And Trey was part of that. But if Trey is going to play aggressively and he's, capable of getting some positive results well then that dynamic changes 
if you have a confident Trey Holloman and a confident Jeremy Fears, then this team can be the team we expected it to be, the backcourt specifically. And I think another element in that, which was important tonight, is that Jaden Akins did some positive things. It wasn't a, I wouldn't say it was a great game for Jaden, but it was a good one. 13 points, but most importantly, three for six from three. So again, like Holloman, he sees the ball go through the basket. That's going to help his confidence. He got back on the beam a little bit on the boards. He had five rebounds, um, three assists, two turnovers, but he was okay there. And I thought he had some moments defensively. Um, still another couple of gears to get to with Jaden in my mind. I don't think we've even scratched the surface of how good he can be, but this was a positive outing from, from him for sure. In my mind. So those to me were the two guys that this was most important for. And then from there, you know, we could talk about the rest of them quickly. Uh, well, before you go, actually, can yeah, I stop yeah. you for a sure, second? Sure. So I think the real question is Trey. I mean, for me, I mean, the guy, is he's leading the team at three-point shooting, not only by percentage, by a mile. He's shooting 54%. I mean, obviously, today helped a ton, going for five for five. He has the most threes in the team with seven. Uh, next is Aikens with six, but he's had 22 attempts versus 13. I, and, you know, Tyson, who we know is a good shooter, is still under sub-30% at five or 17. Right. We right. expect those two to come up and start approaching 40% at some point, most likely. Yeah. Uh, I, the question for me is really Trey. I mean, it's not huge volume, but it's not no volume, right? 13 in five games. I'm sure had I asked you before the season started five games in, who'd have the most threes in the team. You never would have guessed Trey. Wouldn't have been him. Been like, no, probably, probably fourth on your list. If, if, yeah. uh, if that, uh, I mean, is it real? I mean, how real do you think it is? Because I mean, it look, it's not gonna be that high all season. He's not sure, 54% but. real, but here's the thing. And we said this last year. I think Trey Holloman's shot looks pretty good. I agree. There are not, there's not obvious mechanical issues. He's not, he's not slow in the release. He seems to set his feet well. He squares himself up to the rim, which is something that I actually think um, has been an issue at times with Jaden, more so tonight inside the arc. There were a couple of times where he took shots in the mid-range where he's, his body was drifting away mm-hmm. from the basket. And that's that, and not, not on a step back, just kind of drifting diagonally away from the basket. It wasn't, it's, it's not, it's not what you want to see. Um, Trey, for the most part, seems to set himself properly. His, his follow through his release is good. I mean, he doesn't look quite like Bryn Forbes, but there's no, there's nothing that I think is in need of an overhaul there at all. So then it just becomes, okay, if he's mechanically sound, it's probably going to come down to a combination of a couple things. Don't kid yourself. There's a little bit of luck involved, but the Mm -hmm. more important thing is what, what his judgment is. So is he taking shots where, there's an appropriate window of opportunity for him to do so. Or is he taking a shot where a defender is in position to offer a good contest? You know, things like that, I think are going to play into it. But I, I look, I felt coming into the season that all five Michigan state guards had, I thought that Aikens and, and, and uh, Walker 
would be outstanding. I expected them to both be plus 40% guys from three, and there's still Mm -hmm. plenty of time for them to get there or thereabouts. The other three guys I thought all had a chance to maybe be mid thirties guys. Now we haven't seen it. Although fears, fears hit one in this game. No, he, he did. Missed. He, fin- he, 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 he did he, hit one. Today, no, he missed. He missed his one. Oh, he has one for the season. Okay, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. He hit one in the Butler game. Um, but I, you know, I, I watched a lot of Jeremy fears over the last couple seasons. And I do believe if you said to me, well, can this guy shoot, you know, 33%, 34% from three, I absolutely think he's capable of doing that. AJ yeah. Hogard basically did that last year. And it was good mm-hmm. to see AJ um, hit one. He hit that one late out of the corner. So his second three of the, of yep. the season, that's good to see. Um, and then Holloman, again, based on what I had seen from him, Felt to me like, yeah, he's capable of doing that. So I think in that sense, if real is, can, can Trey be a guy somewhere in the mid thirties, at least? Yeah, I think he's capable of doing that. And who knows? He may surprise all of us to the upside. I may be underselling him, but yeah, I think he's real in that sense, but it's just more than, more than the shooting numbers. It's just the way he looked, the confidence he was playing with. And we all know what he can do defensively. That's not an issue. But offensively, if he's confident enough to make himself a threat and get good results, then you know they've got something. Yeah, I mean he. It's, I mean, strangely, he's second, tied for second on the team in assists, and has the best assist to turnover ratio for the team. And he had that last year. Well. He had that last year. But what's you know, what's but different, way more assists this time, yeah. way more assists, which is indicative of what I was going to say. The difference between last year and this year is last year, he had a great ratio because when he was in the game, he was basically just trying to manage it this yeah. year. He's trying to do things. He's trying to make plays and it's a lot, it's a lot bigger challenge to hold down the mistakes if you're trying to make things happen, but he's managing to do it. So very, very impressive game from him. And I think that's got to bring him a world of confidence. So then you look at some of the other guys, AJ, you know, it, it didn't feel like a great game from him by any means. It didn't feel like he really built much on Butler, but then I look at it, he ends up with 11 points. He was only three for seven from the floor. Again, he had a couple of shots from the floor that I thought he should have hit that he didn't. He had one in the middle of the lane. I don't know why he didn't hit it. Um, one for three from three, four for six from the line, but he did have five rebounds and he had four assists to one turnover. So Mm -hmm. not a, not a great game from AJ by any means, but certainly not a problem. Um, Carson Cooper, you know, not, not huge production, four points, but four for six at the line. And so that's, you know, continued improvement there. And they need, they need him to be. Carson needs to be somewhere in the mid sixties, mid to high sixties, I would say as a free throw shooter for this to be optimal because just by virtue of his size and the way he gets on the offensive glass in particular, he's going to draw fouls. So he's going to be at the line, but he ends up with five rebounds. It felt to me like he was even better than that. Um, And then uh, two blocks. And I thought defensively, I thought he was really good again. He was staying tall. 
uh, did a nice job around the rim, gave him a presence there. So, you know, overall decent game for him. Malik, we talked about, didn't really have to do very much in his 17 yeah. minutes. He did have, interestingly, he had four assists in this game. So yeah, nice, they were doubling him every time he got the ball. A nice playmaking game from him. Yeah, and rightly so. A small team like that, you know, the way Malik played against Butler, that's that's a good scouting adjustment, you know, recognition that, hey, this guy's shown he can he can operate in the post. Um, but, you know, workmanlike from him. Cohen Carr, uh, <laughs> you might not see a better dunk this year. Uh, now, I say that, and I say that. <laughs> this, the, the, the year if, is young. <laughs> if we do, it's probably going to be from him. Um, yeah, that right. was That was something else. And. I think it was nice for him. You know, he's had probably after the opener, he's had kind of like three games where he hasn't really been able to impact that much, but he was able to play 24 minutes. He goes five for six from the floor, has a couple of dunks, including just a spectacular one, three rebounds, uh, had a block shot. And I thought he did a really nice job defensively in this game that's where i thought he made some progress so um yeah good outing for him just to play those minutes jeremy fears i thought quietly and he's not going to get a lot of attention but he had nine points which is a career high in 20 minutes four for five from the floor one for two at the line had five assists to one turnover and had a spectacular block and two steals uh, including one that he turned into a you know a turnover for mm-hmm. touchdown, which was a very impressive play actually because it wasn't easy. He had to use his body and his strength to be able to finish that. It should have been an end one, honestly, and it wasn't given to him. But here's the thing I really liked about Jeremy Fears. I thought Jeremy Fears this game was the first time that we've seen where I think he can be most effective offensively this year. He was able to use his body and feel to get himself open in space in the mid-range. And I thought he did some really nice work in there. I mean, like, when I say mid-range, I don't mean 15-foot jumpers. I mean eight feet from the bucket, you know, kind of middle of the lane or just outside of the lane. I thought he really did a nice job of using the dribble and using his court sense to find shot opportunities for himself. And that's something I've seen him do in high school a lot. So that that's an area of the court where I think Jeremy fears can do a lot of damage. And I think that will travel. I think he's capable of using that and and opportunities better opposition than what he had tonight. Um, Madi, Madi, I thought had his best game in a while. You know, yeah, it wasn't I think spectacular. Cooper, you know, if you compared them to, yeah, seven, seven points and seven boards in 19 minutes. Um, you know, three for five for the floor. He hit a nice baseline hook from about 10 feet. Mm-hmm. Um, had a couple blocks. I thought he played with a lot of energy. He showed a lot of toughness. The rebounding was nice to see. So overall, good performance. Something to build on for a guy I think needed one. Book. Uh, you know, there were things he- I liked. What I read minutes, what I would, and he played 19 minutes, which was really good. I liked the five rebounds. What I liked out of Xavier Booker on the boards tonight is 
every single one of them seemed to be in traffic. He didn't get easy rebounds. And he, if you watched him, he kept the ball high consistently. That's something that can be very difficult to teach big men, especially young ones. They have a tendency to want to bring the ball down when they secure it. That leaves them susceptible to getting stripped and or just jostled and the ball comes loose. You know, they don't secure mm-hmm. a rebound. I thought he did a really best job I've seen from him securing rebounds. Um, and I thought he was decent defensively in this game. Offensively, look, every one of those six threes he took were wide open. Yeah. So you want him to take them. He They just weren't falling except for the one that banked in. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, I still, with, with what he did rebounding-wise and defensively and just playing the 19 minutes, that's really good. So, I think you look at it, Michigan State got a lot of productive basketball out of a lot of people. Nothing spectacular except for, for Trey. He's the one guy you'd say, yeah, wow, that was, you know, and a couple spectacular moments from Cohen Carr. But just a, like I had said a few minutes ago, almost a near perfect scenario for how a game like this would play out, you know? Yep. Well, it was definitely a fun game to go to. It was always nice as we were kind of talking off air beforehand coming off the Lions come from behind victory over the Chicago Bears to go to eight and two. And uh, the first time in 60 years, they've had that record. So before either of us were on this planet, so (laughs) quite unprecedented, the whole, the whole affair. It's been a great, you know, if you go back to Friday, it's been a great weekend. Michigan State basketball wins both of their games comfortably. Michigan State football gets a win. Michigan State hockey, which hasn't been relevant yeah. for a long one, time. Wisconsin. I, mean, I don't know if I've ever talked about this in this podcast, but people who are my age, you know, I was in school at Michigan State in the late 80s. And oh, Ron Mason. if you were in that time, you will remember that student hockey season tickets were harder to get than season than student season basketball tickets way harder because you had to enter a lottery. There was a weighted lottery depending upon your class year. You know, if you were a senior, you had much better chances of getting season hockey tickets than a freshman, for example. Um, Uh but hockey was a much tougher ticket than basketball in those days, believe it or not. And to see Adam Nightingale reinvigorating the hockey team, for the first time in a long time, they sweep the number one team in the country. Um, a lot of good things happen. And then on top of that, Michigan basketball loses. Michigan football wins <laughs> barely, but they've got massive, massive problems off the field. And they might have some on the field. We'll see. So it's a weekend that almost could not have gone better. <laughs> we'll take it. We can, especially we got Thanksgiving coming up. And so, uh, uh, all right, so let's let's talk about the Brothers Jujutsu Gutters as they sponsor the player that the Spartans need to keep in the gutter. And uh, it was Jeremiah Kendall. Uh, before I talk about Kendall's performance, just a reminder that the Brothers Jujutsu Gutters do a fantastic job taking care of your gutter work. They work all the time. So in the, in the winter, if you need them, uh, if you've got some leaky problem on the side of your house, they can come and fix that. They can clean out your gutters if you forgot to get the leaves out and then suddenly you've got ice and all kinds of problems piling up in your gutters, or maybe you're as pathetic as me and actually have a tree growing in your gutter. They can come and take care of that. They'll not only clean out, they'll put the leaf guards in. Uh, they can repair things. They can replace them. Whatever you need as far as your gutter work, residential and commercial, uh, they can take care of you and they'll do it very quickly. 
and at a very good price too. I mean, it, I, when you price out with other people, not only do they specialize in it, so they do it really good, but they actually have a really good price too. So I'd highly recommend them. Uh, if you need that done out in the west side of the state in the Grand Rapids metro area, talk to Kurt and his team. Uh, on the east side of the state, talk to Greg and his team in the metro Detroit area. You can find the contact information below in your podcast player or on the website uh, on the episode description at the final fours on the schedule.com just on the front page. So Jeremiah Kendall was the player Michigan State had to focus on. He ended up fouling out in the game, really struggled, I thought, uh, although he clearly was their best player even. Uh, you could just watch it. He was definitely their best out there. Oh, yeah. Shot five or 12 from the field, one for four from the line, struggled there, which we kind of expected. He had eight rebounds, three of them offensive, a turnover, a block. Finished with 11 points, but really never got to go going. He was a guy who's averaging 21 points and 10.7 rebounds. So he kind of got there from the rebounding standpoint, but his production-wise, he was really shut down by Malik Hall and pretty much everybody sort of by committee. They, they definitely had scouted and were committed to taking him out of the game. So I don't know. I mean, I think maybe one of the coaches listens to our show. What do you, what do you think? <laughs> well, I think it's that some of this has been pretty easy, pretty easy to identify, but uh, – Certainly Michigan State's streak of, of doing a pretty good job containing the other team's best player continues. Um, I think they frustrated him in the first half, obviously. You know, he was yeah, he only three, played 19 three minutes. Fouls. And, yeah. yeah, and it came very fast. And I, I agree with you. I think Malik, that was the one thing I thought Malik in his minutes in the first half did well was guard Kendall well. And he frustrated him. And I think that led to some of his foul trouble Yeah, was how frustrated he was. Um, so, th- yeah, just overall, just a, a pretty solid job once again by Michigan State. And that's if you're looking for the reason this was, uh, you know, the the blowout that it whatever it was, 32 points rather than, say, 16 in terms of the margin. Some of it was that once Michigan State really cut his water off, it was going to always be tough for Alcorn to score enough to even keep this competitive. They had one other guy, Gamble, was in double digits, and that's because he went four for eight from three. That's all his shots were from three. Other than that, it's, you know, you see a lot of five, three, zero, five. Um, You know, Michigan State really made it tough on Alcorn by taking Kendall largely away. Yeah. And I mean, they had the screws tightened on them the whole, uh, the whole first half. I mean, they hit five field goals. They were 14, 14% and uh, from the field and 22 from the three point line. So they definitely shot much better in the second half, but even then they were sub 27% shooting for the game. I mean, 26.2%. So Michigan state really played really good defense overall against a team that, you know, those teams are sometimes a little bit hard to guard because of, uh, yep. you know, like a guy like Booker, there's not really a good matchup for a guy like him, uh, or, Cooper or or Mati, right? They have they really absolutely, to, absolutely. There's not a big guy in the feet, the floor. It's really tough, and and you don't want to play. There were times that they had they had Booker, um, guarding guys that were like six four, six <laughs> yeah, five. I, I mean that's tough. All right, so let's talk about the keys of the game. Brought to you by Nudge Printing. Nudge Printing is a uh, run by Brittany and Gabe's great Spartan alums. They were uh, instrumental in the Spartan Strong. Uh, effort to raise money for shooting victims in February on Michigan State's campus. Uh, they will provide great Spartan apparel, warm, comfortable, breathable shirts and hoodies. Uh, my son wore his tonight. So if you see us out on the floor, you know, it's logo stuff. You can uh, say hi, but uh, you can get that 
our equip, our gear at the final force at the schedule.com slash merchandise. So you can find our logo t-shirts and hoodies, but there are all kinds of other things you can get at nudge printing. Uh, you can get vintage Sparty stuff, uh, both football, basketball. I've got a sweatshirt. That's uh, kind of old uh, Sparty dunking with his sword and stuff. Um, not nearly as impressive looking as what Cone Carr does dunking on someone, but uh, you can get all that stuff at Nudge Printing at nudgeprinting.com. There's all kinds of other merchandise that you can find too. Again, you can't go wrong. Great prices, free shipping, any orders $50 or above. You get 20% off if you type on Final Four, that's one word, in the coupon code at checkout. And it is getting close to that season for giving gifts. And so you might want to check out Nudge Printing to get you or someone special something to take home. All right, so let's see the five keys of the game. The first is focus. So concerned about Michigan State not having focus and sort of, you know, like you said before, playing the game and not the team. And I think they did overall did a really good job in a team that would be real easy to overlook. Even when you had a big lead, they didn't really let up too much, except maybe the very beginning of the second half. But I think overall they did a good job in that category. 100%. And I mean, I think, I honestly do think um, Trey Holloman was really, really, yeah maybe even more important than his numbers would suggest in this way. When, when they got those two threes, if I remember correctly, that took it from like an eight, five lead to 14 to five very quickly. Yep. Yep. And at that point you started to feel like, okay, they shouldn't have trouble scoring and they never really did. I mean, they, it ebbed and flowed in terms of how effective they were. They did have like at the end of the first half, they had uh, a drought from the field. Fortunately, they were still scoring some at the line during that period, but um, you just, it, they did what they had to do to gain that confidence offensively and not have things bogged down without Tyson out there as a fail safe. And that allowed them to get a big working margin, which made it easy to, to flow. But the focus that they came out with, the fact that Trey Holloman came out ready to play in his first start did not let that rattle him at all. You know, I think that's a good sign that there's two guys this season who have made their first starts, Carson Cooper and, and then Trey Holloman. And I think with both of them in different ways, they showed that those were good decisions by Tom Mizzo to give those guys the opportunities and they took them and ran with it. They made the most of it. So, um, but overall, you know, again, the things that a lot of the things that you look at as signs that maybe you weren't as locked in as you would want to be uh, good, effective defense, pretty much for the whole 40 minutes and low turnover numbers, both good signs. So I think they came out and focused to the level that was um, required. Yeah, for sure. Second key to the game, defend without fouling. I thought they did a great job with this as well, especially the first half. They only gave up six free throw attempts, a team that really relies on the free throws. Uh, the second half, they had uh, Elkhorn State at 14, but a little of that was a lot of those were late, kind of when it didn't really matter, yep. uh, when it was even the game was sort of out of hand. So I, I think, you know, overall, they did a very good job of staying in front of people and, and then walling people off. I do think that at times that driving action caused some distortions so that people were out of position for rebounding, which I think contributed a little bit to the it did. rebounding edge for Alcorn State. Yeah, and and some of the fouls were, 
were unnecessary by Michigan State. It was guys reaching um, yeah. on some occasions. Big men just kind of – I know Book was guilty of this once where he, he had a small – because most of their players were small. He had a small guy trying to score against him inside. And Xavier's 6'11 with like a seven foot whatever wingspan. And just <laughs> just go up. Well, don't even have to jump. Just go up straight. Yeah. But instead he was swatting down. It's like you don't need to do that. So yeah. overall, I'm okay with what they did. As you say, the second half, it was it was worse. But you know, 20 free throw attempts of that team. I I don't recall what they were averaging, but it was considerably more than that. I think Come, it's 30 is what you said. Okay. Call, but so, well, they, like were, that. They, they were rated very highly. I want to say they were in the top 50 in free throw attempts um, versus free throw attempts uh, per field goal attempts. So they're getting there a lot. They weren't shooting it very well, and that carried over today. They only shot 60% with the ones they got. But against a team like that, 20 is a fairly normal number for free throw attempts in an NCAA basketball game. So I think you give Michigan state at least a mild check mark there. Yeah. Especially when they hit 12 free throws and that's only four less than all the field goals they hit. I think that's probably a pretty good number. Uh, the third key to the game was the boards. And we kind of talked about that as a little bit ago, Elkhorn state, pretty high offensive rebounding percentage of 35. Uh, Michigan state also was good offensive rebounding at 37. I think you probably would expect a little bit more, but in yeah. the first half, they just weren't missing much. And right. then again, like you, like you know, they were shooting about sixty percent from three, and about sixty percent from the field, and about sixty percent from the line. Uh, and then uh, I feel like the second half with the rebounding, it it sort of got weird, partially because of just the strange lineups that Michigan State had out there too. And I think just people, like when Booker was out there, uh, sometimes he's playing the five, sometimes he's playing the four. I think he just it's almost too many variables for him to sort of try and remember where, where his assignments are and what he's supposed to be doing. And so I think people are just a little bit out of position. Yeah, it was, it was okay here. The defensive rebounding was, was not great. That's and you mentioned part of the reason why, but that's, you know, okay. That tells us why it happened, but the fact that it did happen represents a problem, whatever the motivating factor, right? Um, Offensive rebounding was okay. Not spectacular, but you can't, what was it? 37%. I can't, I can't really complain about 37%. That's pretty solid. You'd like it to be better in a game like this. You would think the opportunity was there for it to be even better, but you can't. Yeah. 37 is okay. So it was okay. Yeah. Uh, So the fourth key to the game was sustain. And so that was to the sort of the green shoots to make sure that what, people who had made uh, progress on continued to progress or at least not regress. And that was largely Malik Hall who, you know, again, with he's pretty much sat the entire second half. So he didn't really do much. Uh, And then AJ Hogard, who I think, as you mentioned before, I think he pretty much stayed who he was and Aikens. I think he progressed a little bit from before. Yeah. On an individual basis. Yeah. Malik, Malik was fine while he was out there. I didn't see, I didn't see any problem. Um, so we, I don't worry about him. AJ, it, it wasn't another step forward. He didn't build on anything, but you know, not not a terrible game. Probably Sustained. this, probably <laughs> the second best game he's played this year, which probably says some things, but um, I think it's also true. And then you know, a couple guys, Jaden and Trey, and I would even put 
Cohen Carr and Jeremy Fears in this category as well. And and maybe Mati Sissoko all played better yeah. than they, they did a lot more, which you would hope you would see in a game like this. So that's the individual level on a team basis. I would say the offensive rebounding continued. I think, you know, 37%, I can't say they went backward. Um, you know, three-point shooting, you know, we said, okay, showed some signs of life against Butler. Now they they really, you know, their first 40% effort of the season as a team, and they did it on very high volume. You know, they came, I believe, I think I've got this right, the first four games combined, MSU had nine made threes, and they hit 10 tonight. So you more than doubled your seasonal total in one game. That's pretty good. Um, you know, and now you're at a point where you're averaging almost four made threes per game as a team. That number needs to continue to tick up, but it's to, to borrow an ISO line. You're starting to get closer to rejoining the human race when you're starting to get <laughs> to these numbers. And I didn't look to see what effect this had on the overall percentage. It was 21 coming into tonight. I have a They're feeling 26.3. Are they? Okay. So. Still, 5.3% uptick in one game is pretty decent. And frankly, mm-hmm. if they'd been a little more judicious late, it would have been even better than that. Um, some of those threes, I mean, they were, they while well, they were, they were nine for 17 at one point. So they went one of their last eight. Yeah. Um, I mean, Booker's I think 0 for eight, 5 in the second half. I AJ, think, so I made, think AJ was the only one who made one in that stretch. Um, yeah. They even got Nick Sanders missed one at the end that cost them in the numbers, but still <laughs> it's, we're seeing progress. So you would, you would think you would hope that's going to continue to tick up. Um, and especially as we can expect to see Tyson and Jaden start to approach the levels that we would expect of them individually, the whole thing's going to change. So overall, I think MSU did a, Overall, it was a solid job at sustaining progress. You don't you don't go into this Arizona game really thinking, boy, we're we're right back to where we were heading into Duke. You know, yeah. it, it doesn't feel that way. And finally, for the fifth key to the game, much like a vet called to check on a horse with a broken leg, put them down early. And so Michigan State certainly yeah, did that and absolutely destroyed any any hopes of Alcorn State really doing much this game besides just getting a paycheck. Look, it happens, you know. There was a team from their league tonight, Jackson State, who walked into Missouri and beat Missouri at Missouri, you know. So it can happen. Um, The way you avoid that happening is you snuff out any hope early. You don't let teams like this hang around. And that's exactly what Michigan State did from, from that point where Trey hit those triples that was it. Yeah, they were it off over. to the races. Yeah. And that's exactly what you wanted to see. And because they did that, it enabled them to really spread the wealth around in terms of minutes, in terms of shots, all of that stuff, which is all great. Because there are only so many of these potential opportunities on a schedule, right? And we we know that. That, you know, there's only so many times that that Michigan State will get a chance to play so many guys this many minutes. And so you want to take advantage of them. And there have been years, there's been the occasional year where it doesn't happen. 
you know, I think back to that. <clears throat> I think it was the COVID year, not the one where the tournament got canceled, but the next year where Michigan State, if, if I remember, they their schedule that year for COVID reasons was oriented toward playing all the in-state schools in non-conference. So they go right. out and they beat, they beat Duke. Um, I can't remember who else they beat early. Got off to a nice start, but then they were playing the U of D's and the Oakland's and Central, and they're playing all these Michigan schools and really struggling. And those are games, and they had to claw out wins in a lot of those games. Those are games that you you hope going in, you're going to get opportunities to do some of the things we saw Michigan State do tonight. So when they do pop up on the schedule, you really want to take advantage of it. And Michigan State did that. Yep, so the uh, Stephen Izzo the watch will still continue as he was unable to score, although he did get a nice uh, cut under his eye, it looked like. Yeah. <laughs> it looked like they were... And force him out of the game. So we're not sure if he'll be uh, he'll be active for the Arizona game, but we'll have to you have to yeah. stay tuned. But I think I think Tyson Walker will be active, yeah. although he was sick as a dog eating popcorn yeah. on the bench <laughs> and 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 jumping around and talking the whole game. Yeah, it was. I mean, it's fine. <laughs> that was load management, man. And and I don't mean that pejoratively. That's actually yeah, inaccurate yeah. because load management is really supposed to be preventing even the opportunity for injuries to accumulate in, in Tyson's case, I think we know he's had a rough start to the season in terms of getting banged around. And so I think this was a really good decision on Michigan. Yeah, and a lot part. of minutes he's played a lot yeah. of minutes because he's been had, he's had to. So two other notes, uh, probably worth mentioning it. One is that I don't think we've talked about it, is Garrick Norman is going to be redshirted, uh, barring some sort of, development in the season which is hard to imagine but you know i guess injuries injuries would be the big one yeah uh yeah so uh that's i think it looks like it sounds like it probably everybody's okay with that and i from the way the minutes are distributed this season there's very little like little likelihood that he's going to see a lot of time on the court anyway so it's going to be best for him because next year they'll definitely have a need for him we said this coming into the season i i think there have been a lot of years in the Ezo era where somebody who's where Garrick Normand is would have gotten opportunities to play. Maybe not always a big role, but they would have been somewhere in the rotation because by all accounts, there's one thing for sure that he can do. And that's shoot. Ezo has been saying yeah. it all summer, all fall. And that alone would get you an opportunity at least for some spot minutes. But this team especially when you get Trey and Jeremy playing and factor Cohen Carr in there too, because he does play some wing minutes as well. Um, when you get those guys playing the way that they played tonight, let's say, and they've shown glimpses of it in other games, they're just, they just weren't going to be the opportunities. And we, we sort of anticipated that coming into the season. So it, it's a surprise only in one very narrow sense that, in today's game, you just you don't expect guys to take red shirts. But I'll tell you, even from the player's perspective, in in an era where you have the one free transfer available to you, it's a really smart thing to do because it mm -hmm. preserves another year of eligibility. And there's no question 
And I'm not, I'm not saying any of this expecting that Garrick Norman is going to transfer. I certainly do not hope that happens. Um, and I think he could be a very good player at Michigan State in time. But for any kid, just a generic college basketball player, having more eligibility available to you is a better thing. It makes you more attractive because teams absolutely are going to be more interested in guys that they potentially could get two years out of or three years out of instead of one For year, sure. you know? So yeah. it's a smart move. If you're not going to play, or it's going to be very difficult for you to get any kind of consistent minutes. The red shirt makes some sense. That's another area where the portal has sort of turned things around or upside down a bit from where they had been heading because we had definitely been in a trend where red shirting was becoming less and less common, especially at, well, at any level, because the, the mid majors didn't want to do it because it meant, that they would be more prone to be losing a guy as a grad transfer once they got that far. Um, and the major programs didn't want to do it because guys were unhappy. Mm -hmm. Well, now there's actually a pretty good reason to do it. So I think it's the right, right, it's the right call for everybody. And, you know, Izzo's left the door slightly ajar that if circumstances dictated it, they could always choose to take it off him. But for right now, that's the plan. And I, I think it makes sense. Yeah, and let's for everyone's sake, let's hope they don't need him because absolutely just some problems happened at the season, uh, which actually brings to the next bit of news, I suppose, and that to talk about Walker jumping around. Also, Kohler was out there pretty active on the bench, jumping yep. out. So, uh, you know, there's talk, at least in the British show, that he's that he may uh, will see him playing. It may, makes it sound like maybe even next week. I don't know if that means Georgia Southern or if it's the game after that, but. It sounds like he's close-ish, that he's maybe not as far away as we had expected. They they were initially estimating that maybe around Christmas or the week before Christmas. But this could be a couple weeks earlier. Well, I mean, we'll see. But I think we may get to see Kohler a lot sooner than we... And then, <laughs> you know, where those minutes come from, it'll be kind of interesting to see how that all shakes up, uh, shakes out over the next few weeks uh, games. You know, I, obviously it's encouraging. And... It will be very interesting to see what that does because, you know, right now Michigan State's had a 10-man. They basically got 10. Well, they do, not basically. They actually have 10 scholarship <laughs> players available to them, you know, because uh, I'm not counting Davis Smith, even though technically he is. Um, you know what I mean. There's the 10 yeah, guys right. that play in games. Jackson Kohler is going to get opportunities to play. So what does that do? to Michigan State's rotation. That is going to be a very interesting thing. I think potentially it impacts, let's put it this way. I think the only guy I don't think it impacts at all is Malik Hall. And Malik Hall is going to play the minutes at the four that make sense for him to play regardless because he's just right. the best, the best, most consistent um presence that they've got which is saying something to consider people criticize Malik for inconsistency but it's true um yeah. so he will not be affected by this but everybody else in that four and five camp is potentially impacted by Jackson's arrival so right now you've had a nice little thing going with Carson Cooper and Marty Sissoko more or less sharing the five kind of evenly it's varied from game to game how those minutes have been split, but you add it all up. It's pretty close to even. Yep. 
And then you've got behind Malik, you've got Book getting some minutes here and there. Tonight was an exception. He's played far less in most games. And then Cohen Carr getting some minutes at the four. So the first thing that occurs to me is I think you're going to see Cohen's role shift more to just playing the wing. Yeah, I agree. That's the first thing I think you're going to see happen. Because I think think they, they talked a lot about Jackson playing the four in the fall. And I will admit to having my doubts about that from a defensive perspective, but we have to see him play. I haven't seen him Mm -hmm. play real games since all this is talked about. He got himself in a much better shape. I know that much. So you would think his conditioning is better. You would think his, uh, his ability to move is better, but then again, he's also coming back from a stress injury with his foot. So you have to see how that impacts him. But if he can handle the four, then I think he could cut into some four minutes. Even if he's not, I think, and they don't talk about this at all, but to me, in a pinch, Carson Cooper can play some four because he can guard fours. Defensively, he can do it. It's not optimal offensively because you have some spacing issues with that. You can't really stretch a defense easily that way unless Jackson Kohler happens to be the five playing with him and Jackson proves capable enough of hitting from range that he's going to force defenses to extend. And then, then you don't have a problem, but you could see there's, I'm talking about a lot of different moving parts, right? Um, It remains to be seen how much it impacts all of those guys, but I think it's going to, because I think they're going to give Jackson opportunities, you know, and he's a guy they absolutely think can stretch the floor. We didn't see him do a lot of that last year, but I know he has it in his game. And we do know that he's also a guy who's a viable post-up threat. Um, And he's got a knack as a rebounder, especially in the offensive end. So I think the questions for me are, are these. It's for him individually, how well can he defend and what kind of guys are we asking him to guard? Um, And then how real is an improved consistency with his jumper? Can he give them a stretch element that that they lack otherwise, other than Malik, in that in that post group, you know? And then defensively, who can he guard? You know, those are really the issues. And then from there, how much does he impact the playing time of those he's playing with in the post? I mean, I do not think Tom Izzo, even though he's a guy who loves big playing groups, I I think finding minutes every single game for 11 guys is going to be hard. So what does that mean? I think it's an open yeah. question. Does it mean Xavier Booker doesn't play in some games? Uh, he'd be, if you just look at the playing time allocations thus far, he would be the guy, you yep. know, for sure. But I don't think they want to do that for a lot of reasons. Most of all, if you do that and you're not playing him, He's not developing the way you need him to develop to be the kind of to be in the spot you want him to be in by March. So how does all that play out? I know, and yeah. I can already hear people screaming on the saying, just bench Mahdi. They're not going to do that. <laughs> They're not going to do it. Yeah. So on the one hand, I say, well, there's no way Izzo wants to play 11, but then I look at it and think, I don't see anybody they're going to feel comfortable completely cutting out of minutes. 
So I don't know what happens. It's an open question. Yeah. Well, you know, they talked about playing a lot faster and more full court um, pressure, and, and they haven't really done that as much recently. I don't know if they didn't bother today just because of the opponent. Uh, so maybe that changes and maybe that, you know, that you try and kind of play a little bit yeah. harder. And so then you can, people want to come out of the game. That was always what Izzo said, but uh, we'll see. I guess that, you know, the future, we'll have to see what Cole looks like when he comes back and make, you know, everyone else to stay healthy, et cetera, et cetera. So we'll see how that works out. Uh, I will, I will say this one more quick thought. Sure. If this is correct, and I don't think you, you fully fleshed it out, but where this came from, Izzo's mentioned it in the last few days, but where this came from tonight was Matt Steginga on the, on the radio broadcast. So a pretty good source. Um, if this is, if that's true and they're getting him back, say, let's even say the next 10 days. So we're still in the first week of December. They get him back. That is helpful because every additional day you've got before big 10 play kicks back in at the beginning of January to work the rotation out and figure out how this is all going to come together is a godsend. If he's come, if he comes back, you know, after just after Christmas, let's say, I think it's a lot harder to yeah. have him back and playing some before the Christmas break and then be able to use that time as they normally do to kind of boot camp it a little bit with him healthy and in the mix to figure that out. Big advantage. So this is important, really more important than I think some might realize initially. And no pun intended with the term boot camp, I suppose. No, All right, so <laughs> no, absolutely not. We, we'll we'll be back for Thanksgiving with a matchup against Arizona. Uh, also, just a reminder: if you have not yet subscribed to the show, I mean, what are you waiting for? The show is free. Check out our website at thefinalforceontheschedule.com. You can get our mailing list, where I rarely mail uh, send you any emails. Uh, only when big things are coming up, like our beat rod contest with a prediction for the Big Ten final Big Ten standings, getting close to the last week Ooh. or two. And I tell you what, uh, I think the Big Ten shape had to be a little bit different than we had anticipated. I was, and a lot in general that the league is struggling uh, compared to what I was I going to say it is um, it is not a pretty picture right now. And why does that matter? It matters because um, I think if you're if you're a Michigan State person and you're thinking, although this is way early to be doing it but you're thinking about seeding the opportunities for really meaningful wins in the league, like super meaningful as opposed to just standard stuff. It's starting to look tough for that. Yeah, well, this There are more bear traps, right? I mean, there are more risks, more risks than rewards. This is a big week for that. The feast week is always huge because this is when you've got teams playing in these holiday tournaments. They're playing other high major schools, and it's where conferences tend to sort themselves out. Now, I haven't looked at exactly where the Big Ten as a league sits yet, but I just know anecdotally it can't be a great place. Today was another example. Indiana gets blown out by 20 against UConn. Indiana is off to a rough start. Maryland, we I think we might have even touched on the other day. Horrendous <laughs> yeah. start. Absolutely horrendous. That's a team I think most people, including me, thought was a top five team. Wisconsin has not looked great thus far. Um, 
I'm trying to think. Oh, and Northwestern today. Northwestern gets out to a 15 to three lead against Mississippi State. They end up losing by nine. And you say, well, yeah. what's the big deal? Well, that's a that's a game, a winnable game. A Big Ten team played against a high major opponent and they lose. So, how the next several days, the next say five six days unfold is actually pretty important. Now, Michigan State always controls its own destiny because if you win enough in the Big Ten and if they can get at least one of Arizona or Baylor, I'll feel like they're in okay position no matter what happens. But but what we're not seeing thus far is the likelihood of there being a lot of top 10 or even top 20 net victories once they get into league play because i don't think the big 10 is set to have many teams sitting in those categories it's yeah, just not, it does been not look good. like an eight eight bid league right? no no it doesn't and boy now this week could change some things but sure. they need the you gotta this is one of those one of those periods where you got to put on your big 10 hat and pretend that you're an illiterate hillbilly who chants sec sec <laughs> while the moon shines drooling out of your mouth and gumming up your corncob pipe. Um, <laughs> that's and, and chant big 10, big 10, big 10, because it's to Michigan state's advantage that we see the league start racking up some important wins. The only one I'd say root against no matter what is the obvious one. You want to see <laughs> Michigan get blown out in Atlantis. Everybody else. I'm a fan. Right. We can be a fan of Aiden Hutchinson, and that's pretty much the... Yeah, uh, we'll I struggle the I struggle with it. We'll draw, but, the line. Yeah. we'll draw the line there, though, right? Yeah. yeah. So, all right. So, uh, again, check out Nudge Printing at nudgeprinting.com for your Spartan apparel. If you need gutter work or thinking about it, check out the Brothers Adjust Your Gutters at brothersgutters.com. And so until next time, the Final Four is on the schedule. Go green.